After giving it some thought, it turns out that Chase Young may not be the last Ron Rivera first-round draft pick to have his fifth-year option declined. I'll tell you why and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Wednesday episode of the Locked On Commanders podcast, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I am your host of this show, David Harrison at dharrison82 on Twitter, credentialed member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the Washington Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, want to appreciate and want to share my appreciation for your continued support from, from the everydayers, especially coming through here every single day, keeping us going here on the program. On today's episode of Locked on Commanders, we're going to discuss the current Commanders contracts expiring in 2024, and I'm going to tell you who the team needs to resign, should resign, and doesn't necessarily have to resign out of those expiring contracts. And some of the names may just surprise you in which categories I place them in. Of course, be nice in the comments, folks. We can disagree respectfully. So by all means, please tell me who you agree with, disagree with, and why. Uh, and and I, I look forward to your responses. But before we get to that conversation, we're going to start off today's episode by discussing not the first contract decision the commanders will have to make next offseason, but one of the biggest contract decisions they will have to make. And no, it's not Chase Young. No, it's not Montez Wood, although those will be huge. Don't get me wrong. But we're talking about whether or not this team is going to pick up linebacker Jamin Davis's fifth year option next offseason. So a quick refresher for anybody who might need it uh, on the fifth-year option rules and, and how this whole thing works. So fifth-year options in get picked up or get declined in the offseason between a first-round pick's third and fourth NFL season. So because this is Jamin Davis's third NFL season, obviously that makes next year his fourth NFL season, which means the Washington Commanders have to decide whether or not they want to uh, exercise or decline his fifth-year option right around the time of the NFL draft. This year, they decided to decline Chase Young's fifth-year option. That news coming out shortly before the NFL draft this year. They actually had a couple of days after the NFL draft to make, make the decision, but it was made uh, ahead of time. Really not a huge, huge surprise, right? So the 2024 offseason is going to be the year for the 2021 first-round class to have their options exercised or declined. This means players like Davis will have their fifth-year decisions made this time next year and this time last year we started hearing about some of the hurdles and maybe chase and we started talking about some of the hurdles and maybe the fact that chase young wasn't as far as into his recovery as we'd like him to be and we started discussing the possibility of his option not being picked up this offseason and what it would take to decline it if i were running washington for example and two of those things were missing significant time due to the extended recovery which he ended up doing or not showing play improvement, which is really hard to say whether or not he really showed play improvement. He did look good in spurts when he did get back on the field, but such a small sample size of work to really go off of, you can't really dictate or determine one way or the other. So really that missing significant time uh, really hampered his opportunities and his his chances, honestly, of getting his fifth-year option 
picked up. For Davis, it's going to be much more of the same, just in a different type of light, right? For one, Jamin Davis is currently recovering over a minor knee procedure that he had shortly before uh, the OTA and, and voluntary portion of, of the offseason uh, began, and then ultimately led into the minicamp where he wasn't able to participate uh, in the team drills or in the individual drills, you're doing a lot of work on the rehab field uh, and all that stuff. So his health and his availability, again, the best ability is availability uh, are going to be key to his future with the Washington Commanders. If that knee, minor knee procedure turns out to be more of a situation that's being led on right now, that could be a problem when you talk about Jamin Davis and his future uh, with the Washington Commanders. But now let's look at what he's already done, right? He's got a full third season ahead of him to improve any type of numbers, but let's look at those numbers and how they stack up since he entered the NFL in 2021. Among linebackers in the NFL since he entered the league in 2021, Jamin Davis currently is tied for 69th in the NFL with four sacks, 36th with 180 tackles, tied for 46th in, with 12 tackles, tackles for loss, tied for 90th with seven quarterback hits. He's got no interceptions, no forced fumbles, and he's tied for 20th with two fumble recovery. So, not amazing numbers, right? But that's all the linebackers in the league. And because of pro football references, sorting abilities, some of those are outside linebackers. So you have to take those with a huge grain of salt because outside linebackers do not run the same type of scheme and, and sacks especially uh, are going to be a little bit uh, skewed, right? But what we can take from those numbers, though, and when, when we sort this list, we look at other off-ball linebackers and kind of get a benchmark of, who Jamin Davis is performing similar to, right? And when you look at the sack numbers, he's he's got similar sack numbers since 2021 uh, to linebacker Quan Alexander. He's got similar tackle numbers to linebacker Deion Jones, similar tackle for loss numbers to Devondre Campbell, quarterback hits compared to Kazir White, and fumble recoveries compared to Jordan Brooks. Now, when you comp the money situation here, Quan Alexander, currently a free agent, but his last contract last season paid him $1.3 million. Deion Jones, also currently a free agent. His last contract uh, averaged $1.3 million as well in 2022. Devondre Campbell's uh, contract with the Green Bay Packers, he's currently signed. His annual average value is $10.3 million, so that's better. Uh, Kazir White has a new deal that he's starting on this year with Arizona, whose annual average value is $5 million. And Jordan Brooks with the Seattle Seahawks has an annual average value of $3.1. When you total all those up, you get an annual, annual average value between all those guys of $4.2 million. Now, that's not perfectly scientific of what Jamin Davis is playing to, but it kind of gives you an idea of ballpark. The guys that are playing the way that he's playing, what they're making, they're making an average of about $4.2 million. Now, if you compare that production to the tier pay average, so what a fifth-year option is going to cost Washington in 2025 if they pick it up, well, again, a little refresher. There are there are multiple tiers of option levels for the fifth year option. The first tier is the basic tier. Every single player uh, qualifies for the basic tier of fifth year option. That would average the third to 25th highest salaries over the past five years for your position group. And that's what you would get paid if your basic uh, fifth year option was picked up. Or you could earn a playtime uh, number or uh, fifth year option, which you would have to meet certain snap count uh, criteria. We'll get over that here in just a little bit. That would average the third to 20th highest contracts in your position group. If you make a Pro Bowl, that gets elevated. If you make more than one Pro Bowl, your pay gets elevated. Jamin Davis currently has zero Pro Bowl, so unless he makes the Pro Bowl this year, uh, which if he does, I would venture to say, makes the commander's decision on his fifth-year option fairly simple. 
um, making the Pro Bowl coming out of your third year, a pretty good benchmark for future success. Uh, but he doesn't have any currently, so he doesn't qualify there. He had 79.89% of the snap counts in 2022, which is good, but he only had 52.48% in 2021, which is not as good. He would need about 93% of the snap count this year to average out 75%, but he still qualifies for the playtime uh, level of fifth-year option because he only needs 50% of the snap share to earn a playtime rate uh, after this season. If he doesn't play at least 50%, you're talking either a benching or an injury, and those questions come into concern. Uh, so we talked about with Chase Young, and I don't think there's any way the commanders pick up this option. So as long as he plays at least 50% of the snaps, which he should, he will get a projected amount in his fifth-year option over $12.7 million. $12.7 is what the playtime number was this year for linebackers. That number normally goes up. It doesn't go down. So that's a little bit more than what Deion Jones signed in 2020 with the Atlanta Falcons at the conclusion of his rookie deal we're going to compare those numbers here in just a minute and then i'm going to show you why jamin davis is currently on track to be the second straight first round pick selected by ron rivera to not have his fifth year option picked up that's coming up next on today's episode of locked on commanders part of locked on podcast network your team every day and today's episode of locked on commanders is brought to you by fanduel baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than fanduel america's number one Sports, but because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to join today and take advantage of that. Plenty of baseball action happening, but there's actually also NFL action up for bidding or betting right now on FanDuel. Week one NFL odds are up, and FanDuel right now has the Washington Commanders currently six point favorites against the visiting Arizona Cardinals in week one. You'll get minus 110 odds. If you take the points or you can go money line, just predict the commanders win straight up no matter what the score is, and you can get minus 245 odds. If you think the game is just going to be one of at least seven wins for Washington this season, then you can go and take the over at six and a half wins with minus 122 odds for the season. If you're really bold, and I can see some of you in the comments predicting Sam Howell to be a top 10 quarterback by season's end, then you can take advantage of plus 300 odds for the commanders to make the NFL playoffs and you'll get a $300 profit on a $100 bet if they make that happen. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders. We've been talking about Jamie Davis's performance, how it stacks up to some other NFL linebackers, uh, and what that's fifth-year option would cost the Washington Commanders. And right now, we can tell you it's going to cost them at least $12.7 million. In reality, it's going to cost more than $12.7 million, closer to $13 million, depending on what happens in free agency between uh, now and then and, and new contracts and re-signings and all that stuff. But uh, again, that comp, that contract comp is most close, closely related to Deion Jones and the deal he signed in 2020, extending with the Atlanta Falcons after completing his rookie deal. At that time, Deion Jones was averaging half a sack per year, 102 tackles, six tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits, two interceptions, one forced fumble, one, and had one fumble recovery total. The rest of those are averages. We have one fumble recovery total. Now, Jamin Davis is already green. He's already good to go in some of these averages, right? Jamin Davis has a better sacks per year average, the same tackle for loss, uh, better quarterback hit, and a better, and he's got one more fumble recovery. So he's already better than Deion Jones was when he got a similar type of monetary value deal 
from the Atlanta Falcons. But where he's falling short is in the tackle department. He's he's averaging 12 tackles less per season than Deion Jones was. Jamin Davis has yet to have an interception in his career, while Deion Jones is averaging two per year at this point. Uh, and then no forced fumbles by Jamin Davis while while uh, Deion Jones was averaging one per year. So the Falcons got to see four years of Deion Jones before agreeing to this contract. The commanders only get to see three. So that's that's going to be incredibly important. I think the bottom line is for Jamin Davis to convince the Washington commanders they need to pick up this option. He needs to go out there and start matching at least some of those Deion Jones numbers. And if you look at Deion Jones' career, he ends up flaming out with the Atlanta Falcons, goes to the Cleveland Browns, ends up getting released there. So there's even a little bit of a track record there saying, look, just because you did it one year, maybe we're not really going to commit. But a one-year, fifth-year option might be attractive. Bottom line is Jamin Davis needs to pick up some of the takeaway contributions, get some interceptions, force some fumbles, uh, help your defense turn the ball over while maintaining some of those tackle numbers, maybe improve the tackle numbers a little bit, uh, also get to the quarterback when you have the opportunity. If his game stays status quo, no interceptions, no forced fumbles, stuff like that, I don't see the Washington Commanders picking up his fifth-year option. And on top of Chase Young, that would make him the second straight first-round uh, first pick selected by Ron Rivera to not have his fifth-year option uh, picked up. Not a huge deal, but certainly something to look for. But now we're going to get into the rest of the offseason decisions by current that are currently facing Washington next offseason by looking at some expiring contracts. But before we look at these contracts, let's talk salary cap. Now, I'm in the club that believes the salary cap is make-believe. It's part of our imagination. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you an example. Currently, Washington is projected by Track to have $67.65 million in cap space next offseason. It's a very solid number, right? Not the Probably not the highest number, but it is a solid number. And of course, there are no re-signings yet. But through the magic of simple restructures, however, the team could have as much as $98.35 million in cap space in just three moves. And these are simple restructures, right? So when I tell you that the salary cap doesn't necessarily matter, that's why I tell you the salary cap doesn't necessarily matter. So I'm going to get into some of these projected offseason moves, but I'm not going to get into the numbers necessarily. We're just going to talk players. We're going to talk about their value to the team as it stands today. And again, big, big caveat, this can change through the next season. Obviously, we've got 18 weeks of regular season football, maybe some postseason football. Things can change dramatically from now to then, but we're going to take an early look here at these expiring contracts. Uh, so again, take it with a grain of salt. We're not going to talk numbers because with $100 million, you can re-sign all these guys if you really, really want to. The Washington Commanders currently have 33 expiring contracts coming up next season. So here's how we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about players the Commanders need to re-sign, ones they should re-sign, and who they don't have to re-sign, but still could, of course. And we're going to do it by position groups. And we're going to start by the position group that I think is the most obvious position group to start with. The defensive ends, and we're going to, uh, we've talked extensively about this group. We've talked extensively about individuals in this group. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, F.A. Obata, William Bradley King, Will Bradley King, rather, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill are all projected free agents next year. So looking at these guys, who do I think the Washington Commanders need to resign? Remember, if you're going to comment, please keep it respectful. Uh, either Chase Young or Montez Sweat. Not both. You need to sign either Chase Young or Montez Sweat. And you need to re-sign either James Smith-Williams or F.A. Obata. Not all four, not three of the four, only two of those four, one from each group. You got Group A, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, re-sign one of those guys. I, again, I've, I've said this before on the program every day as you've heard me say this. I would tell both of them, one of you is getting paid. 
It's going to be whoever does the best this season. Go tell us who deserves the contract and leave it at that. James Smith-Williams or Rafael Obata, uh, same thing. You need that that top-level depth there for your defensive end group, so you need to get, keep one of those guys, but I'm not sure you can keep both of those guys, so you need to keep at least one of them. Should re-sign. Obviously, if you can get the second of James Smith-Williams or F.A. Obata for a fair deal, obviously you would love to do that. But I think bottom line, you need to at least keep Casey Tuhill on an ideally one-year deal. I'll get into that here in just a little bit. Who you don't have to necessarily sign, well, either Chase Young or Montez Sweat, either James Smith-Williams or F.A. Obata, and Will Bradley King. What would I do? I would re-sign Montez Sweat. If it's today, I would re-sign Montez Sweat, and I would re-sign James Smith-Williams. I think both those guys have proven to have the availability and the ability to be an impact player on your defense at differing levels. James Smith-Williams, certainly not a game wrecker. Montez Sweat, certainly not the best defensive end in the NFL up to this point, but both are very solid players, right? I would lock in Casey Tuho for one more year to give myself that competitive depth, and then I would go out and draft a top 100 defensive end to come in and compete with Smith-Williams, Tuhill, and K.J. Henry for the starting job opposite Montez Sweat, depending on how the board falls. And then, of course, I bring back Shaka Tony from his suspension next season, and that gives me six defensive ends on the next year's roster. Seven, when you count Will Bradley King, who's an exclusive rights-free agent, and those guys pretty much always come back because they can't really go out and find their own deals. Moving on now to safeties, Jeremy Reeves, Terrell Burgess, Cameron Curl, and Farad Gardner are all expiring contracts for the Washington Commanders. I think you need to re-sign Jeremy Reeves. Now, obviously, Jeremy Reeves right now, not a starting safety, but a very, very key special teams player. I think special teams gets a little un, un, unregarded, underrated. I don't think that should be undervalued. Jeremy Reeves absolutely need to sign him in. He's also showing flashes on the defense. So as a depth safety uh, on your roster, not a bad guy to have at all. You should re-sign Cam Curl. Why do I say you don't need to re-sign Cam Curl? Well, part of it is because of Percy Butler. The other part of it is because of the impact the pass rush can have on your secondary while your secondary can't necessarily do everything on their own. So no matter what, uh, your safeties need that help from the pass rush. Cameron Curl, a lot of it's going to come down to money, desired and money that they want to give. Um, would love to see him come back, but I don't think you need him because of the improvements we've seen out of Percy Butler, the versatility we've seen out of this defense. I know a lot of you are going to be mad at me for saying that, but that's how I feel today love cam curl want to see him back but i don't think it's the end of the world if he doesn't come back don't have to resign uh burgess and gardner may not even make the active roster this year they're both new so it's not really fair to put them on this list but they're in that group and we talked about that group what i would do i would resign reeves and cameron curl so everybody coming at me for not saying cam curl is needed necessarily uh, i would definitely resign both of them okay uh next next position group we're gonna look at the linebackers cody barton the newcomer is on a one-year deal so his is expiring khalik hudson milo eifler dejon harris uh i think you need to resign khalik hudson a key special teams contributor he's been on the defense for a while he knows the scheme uh he's becoming more and more reliable so i think you need to keep him around obviously probably not a starter by himself i mean maybe he can produce or, or develop to the point where he can compete for that job but I don't really project them there. More of a almost like a Jeremy Reese type, but you do need to keep guys like that on the roster. I still think you should re-sign Milo Eifler. Don't have to. I'm going to say Cody Barton. It's not really fair right now, but honestly, I can't tell you right now that this team needs Cody Barton for 2024. I just can't do that because we haven't seen enough out of him. So it's not shade towards Cody Barton, just an incomplete evaluation. And then Harris as well. Uh, if you were to lose him, not the end of the world. Uh, we're not done with this conversation. So if you're mad at me about Cam Curl, mad at me about Chase Young, you might be a little bit mad at me about what I'm going to say coming up next. 
And yes, the offense is getting into the mix. That's next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Finishing up our look on upcoming expiring contracts for Washington Commanders and an early look at where each player stands in terms of value to the team. The next position group we're going to look at is the cornerback group. It's our last defensive only uh, group that we're going to look at. Kendall Fuller, Demarcus Fields, and Rashad Wild Goose are all your expiring contracts. Uh, I don't think you need to resign any of these guys. I don't think you should resign any of these guys. And I think you don't have to resign all of them. Kendall Fuller, um, you know, this is this is the tough one, right? A team captain, he's a leader on the field. And and again, it's gonna depend on play, right? So this is an early season look at this. So let's see what happens in the season. We'll revisit this obviously after the end of this upcoming season, hopefully after we finish our Super Bowl celebration episode, right? But Kendall Fuller, like you, you saw really good things from him last season. And in, in critical stretches, you saw really good things. But I think a lot of those also came against some pretty poor passing offenses. Against the better passing offenses, I think Kendall Fuller got exposed a little bit. And his versatility is kind of dwindling down a little bit. I don't think you want to put him in the slot. But when you look at what the Washington Commanders have done, this time next year, you're going to look at Benjamin St. Juice has another year of experience under his belt. Emmanuel Forbes is now through his rookie season. Quan Martin is now through his rookie season. If you keep Cameron Curl, like I said, I want to. Remember, I said I want to keep Cameron Curl. Um, then you've got him back there. You've got Derek Forrest. Now Percy Butler uh, has got some more versatility and ability. I mean, your secondary is looking really, really good. And a veteran piece like Kendall Fuller, could he be effective in the defense? Sure. Do you need him? No, you don't. So I don't think you do need him. Now, should you keep him? That's really the question. And that's kind of an eye of the beholder thing. I think if you're going to maximize the talent in the youth that you have, no, you shouldn't. You should elevate those guys. I, I like the vision of Benjamin St. Juice, Emmanuel Forbes, you're starting outside corners. Quan Martin is your slot along with Percy Butler uh, coming in when you can. And then Derek Forrest and, and Cam Crow continue to man the safety spots. I think that's a really, really attractive defensive backfield uh, for the Washington Commanders. Demarcus Fields, uh, that's not really a fair evaluation right now. Rashad Wild Goose, uh, is, he's getting some reps during OTA's minicamp with the ones. I think the team likes him a little bit more than what I've seen, you know, and, and I would obviously say that they know a little bit more than I do, a lot more than I do. Uh, so I'm the one who's probably wrong there. But that's the cornerback position. Now we're going to get into kind of a mixed position group, right? Because there's not a whole lot of other position groups that have like three or four guys to make these decisions on. So I'm going to bring up a mix. I'm going to bring up a mix of offensive guard, Sadiq Charles, Offensive tackle, Cornelius Lucas, running back, Antonio Gibson, and wide receiver, Curtis Samuel. And these are certainly some names that you guys have wanted to hear and talk about. Of the four, there are none of these guys that I think the Washington Commanders should let walk out the door. Just bottom line. I think all four of these guys should return next season. But if I have to take two that put them in the need column and two in the should resign column, I'm putting Sadiq Charles and Cornelius Lucas in the need column, and I'm putting Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel in the should column. Uh, Sadiq Charles obviously coming in here as your starting left guard, so obviously the team sees something in him, wants to continue seeing something in him. Even if it doesn't necessarily work out brilliantly this season, that experience, that continuity with the team is very, very valuable. You want to bring him back. And Cornelius Lucas, a lot of the same reasons, especially with Charles Leno getting another year older. Don't know if Cornelius Lucas ever steps in to be like your full-time left tackle. But even if he spends time as your veteran backup left tackle, there is always valuable value there in your swing tackle and in your veteran leadership, right? So that's why I think you need those two guys. Running back Antonio Gibson, right now you should bring him back, but I don't know that you really need him, guys, because running backs are coming out of the draft every single 
year. We talk about this every single year. Tajay Sharps are coming out. The Alvin Kamara is in the third round. Brian Robinson was a third-round pick. Uh, the Buccaneers got their starting running back this year. Rashad White in the third round last year. Like, It's not a, a disservice to Antonio Gibson, but do you need to re-sign your running backs? Honestly, in today's NFL, you really don't. Unless they're like the best in the NFL, it's actually fairly safe to let them walk. Now, if Antonio Gibson's willing to come back on a team-friendly-ish deal, put some incentives in there and all that stuff to get his money, then by all means. And again, he's in the should pile. So it's not like I'm saying I want to see him leave. I would love to see AG stay with this team for another contract. But if you ask me, do the Washington Bears need him for continued success? I, I don't think they do, especially if you bring in a guy like Kareem Hunt and he can maximize his relationship with Eric Bieniemy. right? Curtis Samuel is another one. I love what Curtis Samuel brings to the field. But I think when you have a guy like Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, they can become your top two wide receivers. And then you like Curtis Samuel as your slot guy. But again, a lot of this is predicated on how much money is he going to want. If he's asking for a little bit too much money, you should want to bring him back. But that also opens the door for you to feel okay to let him go. Target or maybe a young receiver in the middle rounds next year to come in and kind of fill that role or a free agent or a trade or something like that. Remember, you know, Brandon Cooks was just traded from the Houston, Texas, to the Dallas Cowboys this last offseason. There's always going to be guys available. And the NFL, honestly, is being slammed by wide receiver talent every single year. So love Antonio Gibson, love Curtis Samuel, would love to bring both those guys back, but I don't think I can put them in the need to bring them back pile. Maybe I'm a little bit too too stingy with my need uh, pile. You know what I mean? That's, that's perfectly fair. So uh, look, I know some of you are going to disagree with some of the piles that I've compiled, piles that I've compiled here on today's episode. Again, by, feel free to let me know. Uh, what you think just like i said do me a favor keep it respectful i keep it respectful for you guys keep it respectful uh back please some other expiring contracts for the washington commanders center tyler larson defensive tackle david bada kicker joey sly linebacker david mayo quarterbacks jacoby Brissett and jake Fromm. running back jonathan williams tackles jared jones smith and alex akimbulu tight end brandon dillon wide receiver marcus kemp all guys that we really didn't get to uh, on this episode, most of them are depth guys. Joey Sly, obviously the kicker. We'll see how the season goes uh, and talk about that. By the way, tight end Brandon Dillon, defensive end Will Bradley King already mentioned, uh, safety Farad Gardner, cornerback Demarcus Fields, defensive tackle David Bada, and offensive tackle Alex Akambulu, all exclusive rights-free agents. Usually those guys come back, so you can probably count on those guys coming back uh, next year if they're around still on the team to be exclusive rights-free agents. So, Coming up tomorrow, we are going to have another episode. We're going to dive more into, I've got some ideas for uh, some more uh, uh, com comparisons and roster futures type of conversations that we want to dive into. We'll see what the news cycle brings up. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments, just throw them in the YouTube comments on Twitter or email me at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or you can send them directly to me via subtext. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day, every day, every day. Thanks for coming through on a consistent basis like you do, especially here during the dead period where we are talking about speculations and projections. And speculation and projection always brings out the best in people. It just always does. Remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or discuss, make sure you also follow me on Twitter at dharrison. 82. Till we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.